Recorded live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Let's Run's Track Talk. This is your host, Robert Johnson. And boy, what a show do we have for you today. The two pre-2007 BMW Berlin, Berlin Marathon show. It is going to be an amazing show. We're going to talk about mainly the men's race. I mean, that's what the running world is going crazy about today. I mean, on the front page of Let's Run, the quote from Super Agent Josh Herman says it all. This is kind of the race of the decade. I think we have three guys within 25 seconds of the world record racing against each other. If the weather is like it is nine out of ten times in Berlin, the record will not be broken by five seconds, but by a lot more. Of course, he's talking about Elliot Kipchoge, the man who ran two flat 25 in the Nike Sub-2 event. Wilson Kipsang, the former world record holder in the marathon, and Kenanise Bekele, arguably the greatest distance runner in history. All three men, the three fastest men in the world last year, in one race in Berlin. You can't, if you're a marathon fan, it doesn't get any better than this. Joining me on the call today is Let's Run super staff writer, Jonathan Galt. John, as you can tell, I'm excited. How about you? Yeah, I mean, just listing everything you said, I've been writing about this week for, sorry, I've been writing about this race for a week, and yet you just said everything just now. I'm, I'm even more, I'm still excited about it. You know, it just makes me I can't wait. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I can't wait to get up at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning and watch them running for two hours, you know, because it's just, you know, the really the limit on these guys. I think Kipchoge has pretty much blown the ceiling off of what you can do in a marathon. Like, I don't think he's going to go out there and run two hours. There's obviously still sort of a cap, but anything from 2.01 to 2.04, I think, and maybe it might be slower than 2.04. We'll get to that, but I think anything from 201 on up is it's possible, you know, uh, in the right situation. I, I can't wait to see uh, what happens in Berlin. I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. If you're just joining us, you can call into the show, dial 724-444-7444, enter call ID 72655-POUND. If you have questions you want us to talk about, there's a chat box and the talk to your client. Also, you can post them on the message board. Um, it, it should be amazing. Um, you know, it, it, with a race this big, it, it's sort of hard to know where to begin. I mean, all three of the guys basically have almost impeccable credentials. Um, you know, and one other thing that makes this race even better is the companion piece. I mean, John, behind the scenes access people, Jonathan wrote the preview of Let's Run. I wrote the article on the last, what makes this race more exciting is the last six world records have been all set in Berlin. So this is clearly the course to do it if you're going to get a legitimate world record. So um, I was thinking maybe, John, we should just go through the three combatants. Um, you know, I think we should probably start with Kipchoge. He's got to be considered the favorite. I mean, it's hard to choose between the three of them, but his record in the marathon is almost impeccable. Um, you know, I mean – and I just published, it's not even up on the homepage, actually. This is fascinating, John. I don't know if, you, if you've seen it. Only Actually, the only way you would have seen it is if you were on the Berlin Marathon um, section page of Let's Run. But David Monty has just sent us an amazing article. And it, it goes through the pacing. We're going to talk about this a lot on the podcast, what the pacers want. Um, there's been some disagreement about the pacing. But he also has the betting odds. And Kipchoge is a big favorite on the betting odds, four to nine on Petty Power. 
where you can get Kip Sang and Bekele at three to one. So that's official, folks. Kipchoge, if the betters put it, they don't care. They're not sentimental. They're looking at odds. They think Kipchoge is the favorite. So um, let's go through his credentials, John. Tell us why he's the favorite. Well, I mean, quite simply, this guy just doesn't lose. You know, he's run eight marathons, uh, you know, and just – he doesn't lose them, you know. He's won seven of them, and then he's also got the breaking two attempt, uh, if you want to count that as, an, as another marathon, another win. You know, that one arguably is more impressive than anything he's ever done, running two hours and 25 seconds for 26.2 miles. You know, granted, he had some advantages that most people don't normally have in marathons, but I still thought, like, I watched the breaking two documentary on Wednesday, and I was just, like, continually blown away by just – not only how good Kipchoge is as running, but also just his presence and his overall, you know, aura. But, yeah, I mean, he won – he's faced these guys before marathons. He faced uh, Kipsang and Michaela in 2016 in London and smoked both of them and ran 203.05, set the course record. He blew about 80 seconds off the course record there. He won the Olympics by 70 seconds. Uh, no one's won Olympics by that much since Frank Shorter in 1972. Uh, you know, he, he ran 2.04 flat in Berlin two years ago with the insoles of his shoe were falling out for about the last 30K or so. I, I still, that one, I still don't understand how that happened. But, you know, pretty much everything this guy has done in the marathon, his only defeat was 2013's Kip Sang in Berlin when Kip Sang broke the world record. But that was only Kip Choge's second career marathon um and he's you know since then he hasn't lost at all and he runs fast pretty much every time out apart from the olympics and it's really i I barely even see the guy get tired you know even during breaking two when he was sort of fading at the end he wasn't like most runners who just totally break form and you know look like they're really struggling at the end of the race he just sort of started grimacing a little bit more and you know it wasn't exactly like he was falling apart because, I mean, and he wasn't, because he was still running, like, you know, 201 or 202 pace the last mile or so, just not too flat. So, I don't know, this guy, he's just phenomenal and really is going to take a Herculean effort to beat him. I think that's a pretty good summary you just gave us. But, you know, the one thing, and, and the thing that I think that, that makes him really the favorite, I mean, all three of these guys have run 203, Interesting to know that he does not have the fastest PR. I think that belongs to Bikile in the actual legitimate marathon. But the thing that makes Kipchoge the favorite in my mind is what you talked about, his win rate. I mean, seven out of eight marathons, I mean, that just doesn't happen in this day and age. Like, that's basically unheard of. But the one loss, as you mentioned, was to Wilson Kipsing when he set the, when he set the marathon world record in Berlin in 2013. And, yeah. you know, the thing about Kipsing is I'm going through his record, and you did a, a, an, ab, an absolutely fabulous job of this on the website, is, you know, if Kipsing wins this race and does beat Kipchoge, there's a very strong argument that you could argue that Kipsing and not Kipchoge is the greatest marathoner of all time. And, and, and you went through that. I mean, he's got uh, – Kipsing's already got four sub-204s to his name, legal sub-204s. Kipchoge's only got one. Kip Singh's already won nine marathons. Kipchoge's only won seven. They both won five majors. Kip Singh's the only one with a world record at this point. They both have an Olympic medal. Admittedly, Kip Singh's was bronze in 2012, but he really should have won that race. I mean, I, 
really should have. Should have doesn't count. I know that, but he just went too fast too soon. Um, Kip, Kipchoge obviously has got an Olympic gold. And head-to-head head right now, Kipchoge leads 2-1. to one. But if Kipsing wins to, to, on Sunday, it's 2-2. Two to two. And I think you would have to say, you know, he probably got the better record. But the big – it's not a negative, but he, as good as Kipsing is, I, I've just counted it up. He's got 17 career marathons. He's won nine of them. I mean, nine of them is an, is an, an amazing number. It, 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 you could say it's nine out of 16 if you're not counting worlds. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how hard they – what type of effort they always put in at worlds. But still, you know, it's over 50%, but that's nothing close to, you know, 87.5% that, that Kipchoge is rolling. But, you know, Kipsing is really interesting to me in the sense, John, about how he's been able to resurrect – his career. I mean, there was no doubt in 2012 that he was the best guy, you know, in the world. He won London, third in the Olympics, you know. The year before, he had two wins. He had won five out of four out of five marathons. And then even through 2014, you know, he wins London, he wins New York. Um, you know, and Kipchoge was just sort of getting going at that stage. Um, so, but heading into 2015, Kipchoge sort of arises as the man to beat. Kipchoge wins in London and Berlin. And then, you know, Kipsing, he loses London, he's second. You know, not bad, only five seconds behind Kipchoge. I mean, what a battle they had there, 2015 London. But then he DNFs in the Olympics and gets fourth at New York. So you're kind of wondering, you know, hey, where's he headed? 2016, not, you know, fifth in London, 207.52. So he's kind of last three marathons. You know, heading into last fall, you're like, hey, what's up with Wilson Kipsing? And then last year in Berlin, what a race, 203-13. Admittedly, he didn't win it, um, and that's because uh, didn't right? The Kile won it. Yeah. So, he, yeah. and then all of a sudden, 203-58 in, in Tokyo this year, he blows away the course record. So this is a guy who kind of went through a rough patch there. I mean, rough patch if you're talking fourth in New York and fifth in London, but now seems to be back on top of his game. And – you know, there's really nothing to, to to not like about both of these guys. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Kip saying is, you know, you bring up his career record. He's got 17 marathons in. I'd like to know what Kipchoge's record is going to be 17 marathons into his marathon career, assuming he makes it 17 marathons. Because right now, obviously, you say, well, look, this guy's unbeatable. You know, he's won seven of eight. It's like phenomenal winning record, but. I don't know if Kip Sang's exact win percentage uh, through eight marathons of his career, but it, I think he won, you know, I would guess it was closer to Kip's, Kip Choge's 87% than it is to Kip Sang's current, like, 50% win rate. So I think, you know, longevity is a big key, and the fact that Kip Sang has been able to endure, you know, it was it's really only two bad marathons. They don't really count the World Championship DNF. But, you know, the fact that, like, I'd like to see what Kipchoge can get to uh, a few years from now. Because if Kipchoge's still running well, but he's not, you know, the Kipchoge we see right now, and Kipsang can string together a couple more wins and maybe another world record, then, yeah, you really have a, a big argument. And, it, you know, if anyone's going to beat, well, I guess if anyone's going to beat Kipchoge on Sunday, it's going to be Bekele or Kipsang. That's kind of silly. But I think Kipsang, I would he's just been more a much more consistent marathoner than Bekele. You know, Bekele, I think, has the the potential just because of how great he is on the track. But 
Kip, that guy's solid, man. Kip saying he's going to go out there. He'll he'll run a good race. Yeah, looking at actually Kip saying interesting. Out of the first eight marathons, he only won. I mean, not only, but he won five of them. So he's just over fifty percent, sort of throughout his career. It's been pretty consistent of that, which is a little surprising. Um, you know, hard to you know that does count his two hundred seven thirteen debut loss in Paris, two thousand ten, when no one was really paying attention to him. Um, the other thing that's interesting about you know, Kip saying versus Kipchoge is you've got to consider age here. And the listed age, I mean, that's what we've got to go by. I mean, Kip saying's 35, Kipchoge's 32. So I, I definitely give an edge to Kipchoge on that. And now let's talk about the third guy, Kenanise Bekele, the greatest distance runner in history. Never discount this guy. Ever since he's moved to the marathon and sort of once his track career ended, sort of people kind of viewed it as like maybe he's done, can't stay healthy. But every time you write him off, he does something amazing. I mean, 203.03 in Berlin last year for the win over Kip saying that PR, his PR is better than, you know, um, than these other guys. And, you know, he, he was really ready, won the world record in Dubai this year. Got trampled at the start, didn't finish. What a disaster! Comes back, very limited training. He's down. He's in sixth place at 30k in London, and people are like, ah, oh, Bikili's old. Bikili's no good. Blah blah blah. What happens? Well, he rallies. He doesn't win the race, but he comes from sixth to second, and he's done that a lot in some of these marathons. He's getting dropped early, and then he just keeps chugging away. His engine. You know, Renato Canova says he's never seen anyone with a bigger engine. He just, if he can find a way to stay healthy enough and not, you know, lose his form, he, he's a threat to come back on you. And, you know, he, it's a little bit hard to know about their training and who's in the best shape. John, you've talked to the agent, Josh Herman. He's Kipchoge's agent. He's Josh Herman's agent. The thing I was interested about, and you can read the article on the website, you know, Herman said it's a little bit hard to know about Bikila. He's very secretive about his training. But you talked to him now. You talked to him before London. How would you would you say he was more optimistic about Bakila's training for this race than he was London? Definitely. How would you compare that? You know, his, his sort of sentiment on his chances. Yeah, de- definitely more optimistic about uh, Berlin than London. I think you know Bakila is actually he's lined up as you said for three marathons this year. And going into Dubai, I think you know again this is sort of just guesswork, but based on what I have you know read and talking to Josh Herman. I feel like he, he was in his best shape probably before Dubai. You know, they were really set on the world record there. But the problem is Dubai, as flat as it is, is just it's so hot, you know. And the fact that Bekele got trampled at the start meant that he was never really had a fair shot at it. But I think Dubai is just not the best place to go set a world record. So I think Berlin, his shape is probably somewhere between where it was for London and Berlin. Berlin sorry, London and Dubai. I would say closer to Dubai because Berlin, sorry, London, he, you know, he, it took him longer than he expected to recover from those injuries suffered in the fall. I think it was a back injury and maybe a hip as well. Um, but this one, it sounds like he's been, you know, pretty healthy during the buildup. Uh, he's had his eye on uh, Berlin for a while, even though he was named to the world championship team for the marathon. But I think as I noted in the preview, that's something that the Ethiopian and Kenyan federations will do is sort of try to guilt their top stars into running it, even though, you know, there's a valid reason for them to do it elsewhere. So I think 
you know, it's going to be, I, I'm fairly bullish on Bekele's uh, shape based on what Joe Simon said. I don't, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to be in better shape than Kip Sang or, uh, or Kip Choge, but, you know, he, he did say that last year, I think Hermans was surprised by how fast he ran in Berlin. I think this year, if he runs the same time, it's not going to be as surprising. Right. So let's talk about it. I mean, they're all – you don't get on the start line if you're one of these big three unless you're in shape because you're going to embarrass yourself. And I've just published it in the forum. You can see the link to the David Monty article. And, John, I'll, I'll read through the um, – the highlights, I know you haven't read it, but this article is fantastic work. Let's give props to Race Results Weekly and David Monte. Folks, it's very important to have boots on the ground, starting to become a key mantra of the Let's Run philosophy. And we've got boots on the ground in David Monte right now in London for us and with his excellent outfit, Race Results Weekly. And he talks a lot about the rabbiting. And we learned – in the Nike Sub 2 event, I mean, to me, the most important thing we learned is rabbiting is very important. You want to run an even pace, and you want to block the wind. That's just critical. We learned that. And in London, race director um, Mark Milday has got three pacemakers, not as many as Breaking 2, but they are talented. Sammy Couture and Gilbert Gidden Kip Cater lead the way. They've run 204.48 and 205.51. Um that's actually, uh, yeah, 204 and 48 and 205 51. There's a third pacemaker who's got Jeffrey Ronan, got a 59.45 half marathon PR. So those guys are incredibly good. So you're not going to have a problem with them. Not They'll definitely be able to make it probably at least 30K. So that's good. There's three of them. One of them's run 58, 48 and a half. That's not a problem. The real intrigue here is what pace are they going to go out in? And there's some controversy here. Kipchoge and Kip Singh, reading from David Monty's article, apparently do not agree. Kipchoge has requested a first half split of 60-45, a pace of 253 per kilometer, which would produce, obviously, a 201-30, assuming a level pace. Bekele said today at the press conference that he did not want to go out that fast. Quote, that's not my goal, that's not my plan, Bekele said before breaking into a nervous smile. Really, I want to listen to my body during the race and what's going on. I don't want to stress myself. Kip Singh agreed with that sentiment, saying that 61 flat to 61.15 was fast enough. Bekele refused to say how fast he would go. Um, you know, and then Patrick saying interesting anecdote. Patrick saying reminded people that, hey, Kipchoge's run 204 flat when his insoles were coming out. So Kip Singh, Patrick saying the coach who Kachogi has total confidence in is totally confident. I'm, I'm not worried about anything that's saying. I believe that he's an athlete with a lot of experience, and I know he's going to give his best. You know, in 2015, he ran here with his soul coming out with no pacemakers in the latter stages, and he ran alone. He's more of a front runner, so I'm not worried about that. So a lot of intrigue, pretty interesting stuff. And if you read the world record history piece that I did, You'll see the last six world records have been set in Berlin. Seven of the last ten have been set in Berlin. But of those seven, five of them have been run with a negative split. To me, if I was the, the race director, there's no way in hell I'm letting the rabbits go out in 6045. 60, it's just not necessary. It's easier. It's a safer way to do it to try to negative split it. I know the rabbits may not make it that far, 
But if you can get through half pace, I would go 61.45 or 62 flat. Um, I mean, excuse me, 61.30, which would be 203 pace, and then try to pick it up so that when the rabbits stop, they're headed in the right direction. Maybe, uh, John, maybe actually 202.30 would be the fastest I would let them go out in. I mean, I think Kip saying 61 flat to 61.15 is definitely fast enough. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think 61 flat's fine, and especially if your goal is if your goal is just to break the world record, you know, then that's going to get you there. You know, Kipchoge can definitely break the world record off of that. Kipchoge, might, I mean, but my my only reason I'm thinking like Kipchoge thinks this, and you know, he's also a guy who knows his body pretty well. Like going into breaking two, I didn't think he had a prayer. And he thought it was a realistic goal, and it turned out it wasn't a realistic goal. He was only a second per mile off. And he might be thinking, look, this is my last chance to, you know, because I don't know where he's going to be racing beyond that. But, like, this is a great chance. I'm in great shape. Uh, it's Bowen. It's well world record to set. I'm going to try to run as fast as I possibly can. I'm going to set this world record, you know, so far out there that no one is going to come close to it. And he might be thinking, well, what can I run? Well, based, I ran two, two flat 25 in, in Monza. I think I can run 201.30. You know, I think that was worth maybe a minute. So and even if he doesn't run that, you know, he could be thinking, well, I can go out at 60.45 and I'll still be okay. I won't totally blow up. So that will be my guess is just he's like, if I'm going to break this world record, I'm going to, like, you know, basically do what you say Bolt did and smash it and put it so far out of reach that no one's going to even, you know, be able to touch it. So that might be what he's thinking. Uh, I don't think he, he needs to go out that fast, but Elliot Kipchoge knows his body, body better than I do. He knows marathoning better than I do. So if he wants to go out in 60-45, I'm, and Patrick Sang, who's also you know one of the world's greatest distance coaches, thinks that he should go out in 60-45, I'm not going to question those two. Right. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to a live edition of Let's Run's Track Talk, pre-Berlin Marathon. This is your host, Robert Johnson, Let's Run co-founder. Being joined today by our staff writer, Jonathan Galt. If you want to um, be in, I'm dial in on the call. You, we're going to start taking some callers. You can dial 724-444-7444, and our call ID is 726-55-POUND. Also, there's a talk show host, client. I guess at one time I should listen to one of these shows to see what they have to do. Uh, there's a tip from Habs, the UPenn student. He says, guests, you have to enable flash player if you want to listen, I guess, on the talk show client. So please enable your, your touch recorder. We already have a couple callers listening in from New York City, South Carolina, also guest 22 and guest 23. Um, if you guys want to be in on the call, maybe chat in the text box, say you're, you want to be in, and I'll unmute you, and we'll, we'll take a prediction. Um, we just got another person from New York. So let's talk about – and what we've done so far during the first 20 minutes of the show is talk about the big three, and, and that's what we're going to talk about for most of the show. We're probably about halfway down. We're trying to make this about 30, 45 minutes. So for 20 minutes in now, we've got about 20, 25 minutes to go. So, John, you know, Herman just said it. You talked about it, not just beating the world record, but smashing it. And if you look at the Let's Run preview, at the bottom of the poll, there is a vote, and it's staggering what people are expecting from this race. First of all, 73% of Let's Run, the Let's Run Nation thinks that Kipchoge will win the marathon 20% say Bakile, 7% say Kip saying, 1% say other. But when you look at the prediction, a ridiculous 91% are predicting a world record. 
34% say they'll run between 202.30 and 202.56. 42% say they'll be between 202 flat and 202.29. And 15% think that the 202 barrier is going to go, which would be only fitting because the 2043, 204, and 205 barriers have all gone in Berlin, you know, over the last do my math here. When did Troy got first get that first one? Was that 2003? So it would have been over the past 14 years. Yeah, I was going to say last 10 years, but it's been a little bit longer. All the time keeps on rolling. So to me, John, I'll put you on the spot. Yes or no? Does the world record go? Yes, the world record goes down, but it doesn't go down 91 times out of 100. I think that's too optimistic. Interesting way to consider it. Um, looks like we have a caller. Let's take our first caller. We have Weldon in New York City. Weldon, welcome to the program. What about you, sir? Do you think that the world record will go down? Thank you for the major prop. Proper introduction there. Um, yeah, you guys are crazy. You're missing the, the pacing. The pacing story, I think, is tremendous. And, uh, if the two other guys don't go with Kipchoge at the beginning, there's going to be some trouble at the end. We need a race, so they need the pace. Hopefully, Will Day has the pace go out a little bit slower. Sub 101, if Bekele, if he's already falling off and Kip thing, what if he decides not to go with it? I mean, I guess they would have to go with it. Can't run on their own, but I really think you don't want that pace over under 101 the first half. Um, you know, Kipchoge is amazing. Yes, he ran two flat 25, but the whole thing was the diamond pacemaking helped him a lot. How much? We're going to find out, but I, I think somebody can run about around 202, maybe a little bit under that, 201 something. Um, so, I, you know, maybe that would indicate. But if if you can do that, you can do it at the back half. And, and what's the weather? The weather. I want to hear about the weather. You know, the weather's got to be perfect. And isn't, a, isn't there some call for wind. I think there's going to be wind, right? Okay. There we have it, folks. Folks, that is Let's Run fellow co-founder, Weldon Johnson. He's sightseeing in New York this weekend, vacationing in New York. So we had him come in as a caller. Thank you for joining us, Weldon. Well, John and I slave away. John and I will be working hard at 3 a.m. on Sunday. John Weldon enjoys his leisure vacation. But there it is, folks. Weldon asked about the weather. I, I should thought have about vacationed I, in Berlin. I think I made a mistake. Should have been in Berlin. That's a good point. You know, and I almost started the show with this, folks, but I didn't want to bust first everyone's bubbles. I didn't want everyone to hang up on the podcast right when we started. But I'm going to say it right now. No world record. The world record, I don't think, is going to go down. And I hate to say it, but we learned, well, we've always known this. John Kellogg taught us this. Let's run super set, man, super coach, John Kellogg, inspiration for the website. He taught us this in Boston years ago when they had that wind-aided world record. And John said, you know, historically Boston hasn't been fast, but I'd be surprised if they go after it that they don't break the world's fastest time ever in a marathon. And they did it. Jeffrey Mutai, whatever year that was. John, what year was that? 2011. See, John is like a human computer, as is John Kellogg. So we learned then that the wind is very important, and we <laughs> learned it doubled down by Nike <laughs> just this past week. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, earlier this year when Kipchoge ran two flat 25 with Pacers hopping in and out, breaking the wind. The wind is huge. And I've been hearing about the weather and what's going to happen, how it might be rain. 
And the reason why I'm doing the podcast right now is because I always go to weather.com and you hit the hourly forecast, and it only goes about two days in advance. So we couldn't do it yesterday because it hadn't gotten to 9 a.m. The weather.com app is actually fascinating. You type in Berlin, at the bottom it has running conditions. Right now it says ideal. This is at least on your phone. It's a pretty cool thing now. And then it says look for excellent running conditions this week. It rates the days, a 9 on Saturday, a 9 on Wednesday. Today, Thursday, is a 10 for running. But unfortunately, when you get to um, the next day, it's not as good. It's got Sunday as a 7 for running. That's not good. 7 is less than 10. So, and if you go to the hourly forecast here, John, the race starts at what time? 9.15 Berlin time? Correct. All right, here's the latest hourly forecast from weather.com for Berlin. 9 a.m., 56 degrees. That's fine. Problem, 96% humidity. That's pretty high. But the wind, north to northeast, 7 miles per hour. 10 a.m., wind, north to northeast, 7 miles per hour. 11 a.m., north to northeast, 7 miles per hour. So that's basically a very northerly wind, 7 miles per hour. That, that, that 7 miles per hour is modest by like Chicago standards or New York standards. I mean, that's a pretty standard win for, you know, most major cities. But, I mean, I'm looking at Baltimore right now where I am. The wind right now, well, it's only three miles per hour right now. But, you know, that is not a lot of wind for Berlin. The reason why Berlin is so fast is the wind is often nothing there. It's amazing. I mean, Berlin right now, it's five, it's the middle of the day there. It's 5 o'clock. The wind is five miles per hour. 8 p.m. tonight is going to be two miles per hour, one mile per hour. You know, t- tomorrow morning in Berlin, and this is, the, I think, what is traditionally the wind, it's two, three, th- 9 a.m., three miles per hour. So we're going to have an extra four and five miles per hour wind. And the problem is the direction of the wind, folks. This is important. What did I say? North, northeast. Guess what? The course in Berlin is obviously a loop course, but the rabbits are going to make it, what, 30K? Well, from take a look at the thing. I wish I had a ditto cam here from 30 to 42K. The final portion of the race is run from the south to the northeast. It's mainly, it's probably equally from west to east as it is from south to north. So you're going to be running pretty much into a headwind for much of that final 10K when you don't have any pacers. So you may have a race going on between the big three, but it's really going to slow down then. And I can see the, the desire to get out ahead and hold on, but I agree with Weldon. I do not think they should go out any faster than 61 flat. I would prefer to see 61.15. And we just got to hope that the weather is better because, you know, maybe someone should call John Kellogg. Weldon try to call him on a third line, see how much that 10-mile-per-hour, I mean, that 7-mile-per-hour wind is going to slow them down. But, you know, Let's hope that Josh Hermans is right. Let's hope they're capable of running 202 flat, and then maybe the rain, the wind knocks that down to 202.30. Um, otherwise, that, that's why I'm negative about the world record. John, what do you think about my weather forecast? Well, you know, I've been monitoring the weather for a while, and they have, as you said, they haven't had hourly forecasts until you know the last 12 hours or so. But this is actually better than I thought it was going to be because earlier in the week, that wind wasn't seven miles an hour. It was like 15 and it was supposed to be raining during the race. And right now it says it's cloudy. Granted, it's still, still humid, but cloudy is, is good that they're not having, you know, they're not going to have the sun baking down on them at all. And the temperature, you know, 56, 57, that's, that's pretty good for running. It's a little warmer than ideal, but still pretty good. So, I mean, 
yeah, is this ideal marathon conditions? No, but I think it, Kipchoge can still run two oh sub two two oh two fifty seven of this. I'm pretty confident of that. Um, do we do we know what? Does anyone remember what the wind was at the track in Italy when he ran the two five twenty five? There was a little wind. I could see it occasionally in the in the broadcast. Does anyone remember like what the official wind was? Not off the top of my head, but I want to say it was. My guess would be around five miles an hour. I, I think it was. It wasn't. Yeah, because he had. I know it was, very, it was windy during that time trial. Uh, that was definitely a factor. But during the race itself, I don't think it was that bad. Uh, and maybe, maybe I'm overstating it. I mean, I would like to get a weather under. Weather underground is the best site to go back and find historical data to see what the wind normally is. I do think it's like less than this. Guest number thirty-eight says, "I don't think the seven-mile-per-hour wind of the last ten is worth more than ten seconds of delay." So. Um, you know, that uh, makes me feel a little bit better, folks. Now, I do want the visitors to know that I operate under – this is how I always operate. I like to prepare myself for the worst, so my bold prediction of noble record. That way I'm only pleasantly surprised. When I used to coach at Cornell, it was the same way. You know, expect a kid to drop out, and when he wins the race, hey, you're really excited. If you expect your stud to win all the time, all you can do is be, you know, negatively think. So, um you know, a lot of people on, on, on the forum, this is Kipchoge, he won't be phased. Folks, I, I hate to break it to you, the laws of physiology, the laws of physics still apply to even someone like Kipchoge. If the wind didn't matter, Nike wouldn't have hired, had a windshield on a car, and uh, even if they didn't want to deny that, or had pacers hopping in and out, of course the wind matters. I mean, that's the whole point of having pacemaking. Um, now, one thing about this David Monty article that was fascinating was, um, you know, is they've got a computer program that's going to be analyzing how fast the car is driving, and every 200 meters is going to be projecting, it's going to be showing the pacers their per kilometer split, which is even more accurate than a mile split. So they'll know if they're running, you know, whatever it is. Um, what's the split per kilometer, John? It's 253 per kilometer. You know, it'll say 255, 253. So they're going to be very even with this new computer system, um, which should be fantastic. Um, I'm going to debate whether I should just unmute some of these callers. If they're in, does anyone know how TalkShoe works? If they've called in, does that mean they want to be on? No one, no, none of these guys wrote in. Um, I've been, I think sometimes I want in. I want in. Sometimes if you call in, that's just how they're listening. I think. Um, uh, I've been muted in. So New York, South City, New York, South Carolina, California, guest 22 or guest 59. I may unmute you. You guys are you guys are missing. We touched on one thing. You're missing one big thing, real quickly. Um, I think the pacing splits every what is it, 200 meters at the beginning, and then 500. If that works, could be hugely beneficial. The pacing is usually not that great. You know, that was one thing. Uh, I think it turns out with the Nike thing, the car actually really set the pace. It turns out it really wasn't blocking the wind that much, but it set the pace perfectly for the pacers, and then they're the ones who block the wind. We're not going to have the wind blockers here as much. It's more just going to be pacers sort of helping the runners. But if the pace is more accurate and doesn't vary as much, that's key. You know, the big issue to me be determined is what is that pace? You know, are they really going to just dial it in exactly at 61? Are they going to try to go – you know, 50, 45, 59, excuse me, 60, 45. So they need to, you need to 
pick the pace before you do it. But and then the other thing, no one has discussed yet. Uh, are you guys not aware of this? The world is supposed to end tomorrow, um, so this race probably isn't going to happen. Yeah, I've heard about these predictions. I how they decide which bits and pieces of scripture and stuff to quote and what numbers to add on to come up with these predictions and then somehow translate it to our calendar, which is just pretty, you know, arbitrary that we just came up with this calendar with these months and stuff. It's just ludicrous. And how much these people actually believe it. It's amazing. Good news, John. Slate.com, a wave of prophecies that the world is ending Saturday may not be correct, it turns out. (laughs) Wow, good to know. So... I don't know. I mean, even if they don't get the world record, I guess we should we should uh, feel good on Sunday. Just if the race goes off and we got the big three racing, um, you know, I think you guys should take a couple cars if you can. I'm excited just to see. I want to race, so I don't. I want Kip Sang and the KLA to stay up there. Hopefully, um, I mean, the way I see it, Kipchoge's. <laughs> I don't see how he loses. If he goes out too hard, he could lose. Um, but the other guys at the top of their game haven't shown to be as good as him. But Bekele is amazing. He wants this world record. He keeps sort of going after it, and he's decided to show up and take on the best here, and I really commend that. And then if somehow Kipsang were to pull this off, we'd be like he's the greatest marathoner ever ahead of Kipchoge. So, man, I'm excited. It's very exciting, no doubt. And you know, yeah, let's, let's go to the caller. Let's take South Carolina. South Carolina, welcome to the program. Hi, can you hear what me? What do you think? Yes, we, we can. can. Let's, let's, let's touch the case. Uh, thanks for joining us. What do you think? Who's going to be the winner, and will the world record fall? Uh, I think for sure the winner is going to be Kipchoge. I mean, you guys have already discussed it. The guy just doesn't lose. And then you look at Bikele and Kip saying, I mean, obviously they've, you know, won some fast marathons, but just compared to Kipchoge, I just don't see him losing to those guys. I mean, whether or not the world record falls, you know, like you guys said, weather might be a factor. Um, but I think even if they don't get it, you know, I still I still say if it comes down to like a high 203, low 204 type race, and it's they're all still there at the end, I still think Kipchoge takes it. Now, are, uh, how, big of a, how big of a fan are you? Are you going to be getting up at uh, 3 a.m. to watch this, or are you just? Um, uh, I've got I've got two small kids, so I figure if one of them wakes me up in the night, I'll probably just stay up and watch it. But if, if I'm fortunate enough to get a full night's sleep, I'll I'll take that and I'll just check the check what's run in the morning when I wake up. Uh, <laughs> DVR. Sorry, what's I, up? I said you can DVR it. I don't even remember if I saw the race last year. It was such a good one. I swear I watched it, but I don't think I actually did. Yeah. Well, they used to put up a way to have people watch the replay without knowing the results somehow. Yeah. Man, it's hard to do. A full, full marathon. I guess certain marathons, maybe when Yeah, yeah it's interesting with, to me. When I was writing that world record, going through the world records in Berlin, you know, I, I, I'll admit, when I went to college, my, my password for my pen was Highly G from ATM pen. I was a huge Highly Gabasolesi fan. 
But those world records in Berlin, when he did those world records, at the time they did nothing for me. I wasn't excited about it. But it just may have been because back then you couldn't watch Berlin. You couldn't really follow it. It wasn't streamed live. Um, you know, or maybe it was. I just didn't get up. I don't know. But it's weird. I'm much more excited about this race than I was those races, you know, 10 years ago. So it, maybe it's the competition. And I, I was getting tired of world records. For some reason, I'm really, really excited about this race. Um, so... So South Carolina, I'm going to be a father soon. How tough is it? Am I going to be having trouble to, like, watch three-hour marathons every morning and just um, going for my – keeping my, my mileage up, although I'm only averaging about one mile a day right now, so I can probably keep that up. <laughs> Sorry, what's the question? How hard is it to be a dad and, and, you know, sort of balance your running fandom or your running self? Oh, Oh, yeah. Um, I've got a pretty flexible job. Um, I'm, a, I'm a software engineer, and I can kind of, you know, flex the hours a little bit. So, I mean, I, you know, I still run about 70 miles a week, you know, twice a day, every other day-ish, and long runs on Sunday. Um, my wife stays at home, so obviously that helps. And my office is very close to my house. So that also helps. Um, yeah, and obviously checking in on let's run you guys do a good job of you know summarizing all the races and all the contents you know right there and easy to find so yeah it's it's doable good to hear that gives me some hope there you have it folks he's married has children big big income obviously amazing you're doing it all are you do you have a sub 14 5000 pr like all like uh, no, I've only broken 16 once in my life, and uh, I'm I'm still uh, still trying to chase the PR. But my PR is about five year old, five years old now, so I might have missed my window there. <laughs> well, I'm very impressed. People are in the chat box. Um, well, they're linking to tweets that are no different than David Monte, Chris Chavez saying that they want to go 64:50 to 60:45 to 60:50. Sarah Germano 60:45. So, again, I, I think that's a little bit too fast. But thanks for joining us, South Carolina. We appreciate it. If anyone else wants to join on the call, um, yeah, we'll be wrapping, up, wrapping it up soon. So um, that's good. We, one thing we haven't – oh, this is a great question from a guest in the chat box, folks. If Galen Rupp was in the race, let's pretend for a second that he's in the race, how fast does he go? Okay, I'll, I'll – should I go first, or does someone else have a strong opinion? You can go. Um, well, first of all, if Galen Rupp's in the race, there's no way that he's in the race without his own set of pacemakers. We right. saw this. Absolutely. We, we saw this with Mo Farah in London. He had his own set of pacemakers. There's no way Rupp's going out in the lead group. And by the way, if this Japanese guy goes with it, I am going to give him such big props. It's going to be amazing. Um, Japanese national record holder, if you're not familiar. Um, who ran it last weekend? He ran like a 60-17 half marathon. Is now in the race, and he says he's going with the leader. So, very that, that's that's all right. That's a little misleading. He didn't say it specifically. Yuki Kawachi was asked whether he would do it, and Yuki Kawachi said he's going with the leaders 100%. But the man himself, his name is Yusuke Shitara, has not said officially whether he's going to do it or not. So, just we'll tone down the hype for a second there. Yeah. Well, Rupp obviously like. Kipchoge, 
like Bakile has, you know, quite good track credentials. I do think Rob, despite the fact that he has a 209 PR, is capable of running a fast marathon. Now, these people that say he's definitely a 204, 205 guy, I'm not saying definitely, no way. I mean, John, remind me, what is Mo Farah's marathon PR? Uh, 208.21, I believe. 208? Uh, God, that's worse than I remembered it being. So, I, I, Rob's got an Olympic medal. He's second in Boston. He's run 209, but that's in bad, bad conditions. Of course he could run 208. You know, but to me, there's some limit. We've never seen a white man break 206 in a legitimate marathon in the history of the world, if I'm correct. I think it's like 206 low. Now, Ryan Hall ran a win eight at 204.58. So, I, I think that the range is somewhere between 205 flat and Hall ran 206.17. So, maybe Rupp could be a 204 guy, but in the history of the world, we've never seen it. Of course, in the history of the world, we've never run a 20, seen a 26.44 from a white guy either. So, it's hard to say. Um, it's a little surprising to me that, you know, Rupp is – Alberto Salazar made his name in Boston and New York. So I thought Rupp would go to New York. It's a tactical race. Um, he was a good cross-country runner. He would excel. He's proven that he can do that. There's a lot of prestige with New York, not you know, a little bit more than probably Chicago. If you go to Chicago, you think you might want to run fast, but there aren't rabbits. But maybe Chicago is a smart move because you can find, like, you know, even if you go out slow, you can still run a fast time. And that's, you know, the thing about the first world record um, that was in Berlin. You know, Ronaldo da Costa, he went out in like 64 high and came home in 61. He's actually got the second fastest half marathon of any of these world records, and that was in 1998 because he went out so, so slow. So, you know, even if Chicago goes out slow and tactical in 65 minutes, there's nothing preventing Rupp running 62 the second half or running 207. So if Rupp was in Berlin and went out hard, I think he'd end up a DNF. If he went out in the second pack, I think he could run a 206. Pretty confident he can run 206. Anything faster than that, um, it's possible, but I want to see it. What about you, John? Yeah, I'm generally in the same camp. If he goes out in 61 flat, that's not going to end well for him. Uh, it might not end at all. You know, he might drop out. But if he goes out, if yeah, if he has his own dedicated paces and they're running the time, the pace he wants them to run. I think he can run 205. Um, I think anything fast. I mean, 205 is still very, very fast. Uh, but Rupp has everything he's done in the half marathon, and well, he hasn't run that many half marathons, but when he has, he's generally looked pretty good. Uh, you know, Grod, he did only run, he ran 62.18 for a half marathon, you know, last weekend. So that, I mean, you double that, that's 204, that's like 204.36. And, you know, you're going to add on a little bit. Granted, the conditions weren't perfect. It was pretty humid there. But, yeah, I mean, he ran 62.18, and I don't think it was super easy for him. So running in the 204s is going to be tough. Uh, running, I think he can run 205-something, probably 205 high uh, in good, you know, if he got his own dedicated pace team in Berlin. You know, I think it's really hard to make a prediction like that because ultimately – we don't know what someone's best event is. To me, someone has to have a best event. You can't physiologically be the best at all events. So Kipchoge was really good at the 5K, but he's even better at the marathon. 
So you think someone like Rob, who, you know, early in his career, I would have said the marathon's his best event. He wasn't fast. He didn't have a kick. He couldn't break four in the mile for quite some time. So I would have said, you know, the longer he is, I mean, this was a guy that was running in the 2730s, you know, pretty early in his college career. Uh, I'm like, well, he's going to be a good marathoner. But that would be his best event. But now, I don't know, he's run 2644 for 10,000. He's run 350 in the mile. You know, how many 350 milers are good at the marathon? So Elliot Kipchoge. Elliot Kipchoge. You know, that, that's a good, 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 good take there. Um, we probably should talk, in honor of Title IX, a little bit about the women's race. I mean, not a lot going on there in terms as compared to the men. Gladys Toronto, 219.25, 2015 champ, seems to be the woman to beat. She's got Amani Barisa of Ethiopia, 220.48. Valerie Yaibaya of Kenya, 221.57. And then a couple of 223 girls in the race. Now, as I've shown, you know, and we've come up with this stat of the number of potential winners in a race. And basically, there's been 27 World Marathon majors since Tokyo was started. Every single one has been won by someone who has a PR under 224 or an Olympic medal, except for this woman who won Tokyo very suspiciously in February. On the men's side, to win one of these marathon majors, everyone had a PR or an Olympic medal. Um, the PR was under, was it under 208, John? Now I've already forgotten my own stat. Yeah, 208. Yeah, and most of them had a PR under 207 or an Olympic medal. So is there any scenario, John, where you think, you know, based on that stat, first of all, Patrick McCow, 203.38, the reason why we haven't mentioned him is he's dropped out. Um, but based on that stat, there are two other guys that could win this race. Vincent Capruto, 205.13. First of all, he qualifies on two different ways. One, he's got a 205 PR. Two, he won the silver medal at the 2011 World Championships. And the other guy with a potential winner based on those stats is Felix Candy, 206.03. He's had two straight PRs. Any chance that those two guys win it um, in your mind? I mean, I'm not going to say there's zero chance. And you also left out uh, Luke Quebec, who is the 2007 world champion. He also qualifies under your uh, little criteria. Um, I mean, But he hasn't broken yeah. 210 in his last five marathons. But yes, True, he but I mean, he's a world champion. He's a former world champion. I, I don't, Luke Quebec's not going to win, even if one of those big three doesn't. But anyway, here's the scenario. If if they go out in 60, if Kipchoge goes out in 60-45, and maybe, let's say, Bekele and Kip saying get sucked into that too, they go with them. They're already hurting it halfway or they're feeling bad, you know. They they all blow up. You're telling me a two of, and Kip, say they run 205, and Kip Rudo runs a PR and runs like 204-45, I think it's possible. You know, I think that's basically the scenario is you're banking on Bekele, Kipchoge, Kip saying all going out very aggressively over their heads and they just totally fall apart in the second half of the race. But I, I just find that unlikely. Kipchoge is not – I've never seen that happen to Kipchoge. Even if he goes out in 60-45, I think he can still bring it home in like 63 minutes or something – you know, and that would give him a two or four, three forty-five, and that would still give yeah. him a win. Because even I mean, when he cracked, Kipchoge cracked, blew up in Monza, and he ran two flat twenty-five 
What was the halfway split there? Do we, we ever officially get that? 59, 59 halfway, or 59, 56. It was yeah, sub-60. Yeah. I, my much-criticized tweet, when he started to crack a little bit of about mile 20, you know, he was slowing down, but he only was slowing down a few seconds per mile, obviously, but he only finished 25 seconds off of it. So I, I forgot the Weldon was still on the call. I apologize for not getting your wonderful insight. You know, the, the slowest second half in any of these world records in Berlin was Gab 61.57 when he ran his first world record of 204.26. Obviously, it's getting harder and harder the faster they get to have a huge negative split because just the world record is so incredibly good. Um, the last world record, though, the 202.57, this is why I just think we're, we're talking about, what, 60.45 to 61 flags. Is that what we're talking about now? I mean, to me, that's absurd. The last world record, they went out in 61.45. They were behind world record pace. The world record at the time was 203.23, and he came home, Kimeto came home in 61.12. He crushed, you know, really from 40K to 42K, he was really quite good. Um, so I just think that I want Bikile up there. It's like when Mo Fair ran that marathon, was in the second pack, I'm like, what's the point? And from talking to Canova sometimes and stuff like that, Bikile seems to be the guy that thrives in competition. So he's not going to do well. I don't know. He's like in a no-win situation. Like, I would almost get my own set of pacemakers and say, go out and 61-30. I mean, I, I, he's showing that he can come from behind, but I just don't know if you can psychologically come from behind if you're never with the group at all. You know, I, I, if I was these other guys, though, like Vincent Caputo or Felix Candy, I definitely would not go out with a lead pack. I, I hope there's a second group going out in 63 or something. Um, and try to pick up the pieces. Hope the other people blow up and you're the winner. But I, I just don't know. This, this whole pacing thing's bothering me a little bit. Like, it's got to make sure that Bikile, like, who ultimately sets the pace, you know? Someone wanted to know about the breaking, uh, the, the, the the 4% shoes, John. Are all of these athletes, who, Kip is an Adidas athlete, right? Correct. Yeah, so I... I didn't ask uh, Canova about this. Sorry, I didn't ask Harmon about this. I probably should have. My assumption is that Kipchoge will wear the Vaporfly 4% once again. You know, he ran great in them in Monza. Uh, I don't see why he would change. But Kale, I think after London, he actually had some complaints about the shoe, that he had worn them and it was either his first time wearing them and they didn't respond the way he wanted to or there's an issue there. So... I'm not 100% sure if Bekele will wear those shoes or not. I think that's something we're going to have to wait to find out. I probably, yeah, I should have asked Hermans about it, but he wasn't, he didn't seem as on board with it, as I recall. This is fascinating. All right, I think we should end the show with predictions. Weldon? As the eldest family member, you're first. Uh, she's looking at the fastest whatever first half of the marathon. It's 101.11. I don't know if, if that's why in my head I had 202.20. But maybe we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Like, why are we, wait, you know. Uh, wait, I guess what, if, if you they, guys did that, right? Last year they went out in 61.11. the fastest first half whatever. Um, we should probably try to find that. We've posted before sort of fastest first half and second half splits. Um, I think second half is right around that, you know, 
I mean, we've had a few guys run. I don't think anyone's ever got under. Oh, was it Kamenda one? Kamenda we just said. Yeah, Kamenda, he closed at sixty-one twelve. I think that's the fastest second half. Yeah, so like, I don't know. I mean, how can we? You know, we're now thinking guys are going to beat both. You know, the fastest first half split and second half split. That's crazy. But at the same time, if Kometo's run 202.57. Can Kipchoge do a lot better than that? Yes. You know, I think, can he run a minute faster? Perfectly? Probably yes. But I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to go, I think he has to win. I mean, I, I, I just can't pick against him. I'd sort of, for entertainment value, love to sort of, I just want to see a battle and a duel and I'd love to see him sort of, I mean, if he got beat, it's going to be a great race, it's, you know, especially at the world record. But... I don't know, man. He might he might do it. Go two oh one something. But I had two oh two twenty, but now I'm going with the logic. We'll go two oh two thirty four. Ilya Kipchoge, your champion. Two oh two thirty four? Yes. John, wasn't there another guy not one of the big three that went out super fast in a race? You you're gonna have to be more specific. Than That's that. pretty. One of these guys in the preview, he went out in like 61 in a marathon, and ran up running like 206. Oh, the Japanese Yuta guy. Chitara, the Japanese guy yeah. last year went out in like I think 60, yeah, 61. I was 62 or close to his PR. He went out super fast. Not last year. This Tokyo. This year in Tokyo. I saw this it. Year, sorry, this is marathon debut. He just went with it, dude. I, he Kip's thing was in that race. I think he, I don't know if I remember correctly. He, I swear they went through the halfway together. No, they, was, I think he was behind Kip saying halfway, but he what was, was the split there? over his head. But he, you know, it's like who is this dude? And he just hung close. You know, was, and all the other Japanese guys are hanging back. Does anyone remember the split in Tokyo? But Kip saying, yeah. Uh, I don't know Kip Sang. Shitaro was 61.55, though, and Kip Sang was ahead of that. So I think it was, you know, mid-61, 61.30-ish or so. Mm. So, John, your prediction, please. Kip Choge, you know, this guy's not losing. Uh, I'm going to say, make it poetic. I'm going to say 202.25, exactly two minutes slower than uh, his breaking two times. Oh, wow. Weldon's logic really impressed me. And they went out in 61-11 last year. Admittedly, they slowed down a little bit at the end because they were racing. But, you know, Bakili ran 203-03. So they shouldn't go out any faster than that. The second fastest this fastest split ever in a marathon is 61-11. Is that right? I mean, that's ridiculous. 61-12 is the second fastest second half. So we're not going to go faster than both those, and, and that's just not going to happen. So the limit is 62-23. Um, it's going to be a bummer. It's a Tokyo halfway split was 61-21, by the way. I don't even know if they're going to be excited at the normal record pace. I want to predict – I was never a Bikile fan, but for some reason him battling through these injuries and also just him falling off these races – 
and then winning them. Like he comes from behind, whether it was against Mo Farah in the half marathon or what. It fascinates me. Like he, it, it, you don't. This see race it. last year was amazing. He's like putting his hand in the air and coming back, and it was awesome. So I, I'm going to go with Bakelite. Screw it. I guess if I'm, I'm going to go with Bakelite. I might as well say Bakelite 202.55. Wait a second. Wait a second. You said half an hour ago the world record's not going down. Well, no, but, I mean, I don't think it's going down, but that's my <laughs> – I can't do both. You can't yeah, say, you, I don't you think cover the world record is broken you know, predict the world record. Robert's the guy who goes to roulette and bets on black, red, and green and loses money. Hey, I need – I'm not that many people listen to the podcast. I need to be able to mouth off on the message board about how I'm a genius. <laughs> so if the world record goes down, Bikila two hundred two fifty five. Wait, John, what was your prediction? I'm writing these down. Two hundred two twenty five, Kipchoge. Yeah. I I just, folks, uh, how about this? I will make an official prediction in the marathon thread, the live thread before the race starts. I'm going to talk to my friend John Kellogg. I need to know more about this wind. I need to more know more about the pacing. We're 40 – actually, countdown timer, folks. This is like the first countdown timer in years on Let's Run. We're one – shit, I thought we were two hours away. We're only a one-day 15 hours, so we're 39 <coughs> hours away from the race, folks. Um, I will make an official prediction before, but I'm just saying the 91% I agree with John. The idea that we're having a record is absurd. For the women's race, Gladys Toronto is your winner. I think she'll break 220 if the weather ends up being good. If not, she will not. So, very exciting. I mean, it's just, I don't know if I've been the last time I was this excited for a single race. This is what I think is great about the marathon, because it's one event, and, and you can give each event the proper thing. When you have a world championship in track, there's 40 events. It's hard to really get excited for one, because you, you have another one 10 minutes after it. Um, you know. So I was going to try to read the quote again from Josh Hermans to end the show. And here we have it, folks. Wait, well then, John, anything last comments before I close out? I'm good. I'm excited. Yeah, some guy was telling the kidney guy who won Frankfurt. That's what he was talking about. That's what my, my thing. Folks, J.K. is still in Ithaca. Guest 86 wants to know. J.K. is still living in Ithaca. and may be getting him to Baltimore. Anyways, um, it's going to be exciting. Sunday morning, get up at 3, or perhaps if you don't want to get up at 3.15 a.m. Eastern. Which if, Actually, if you're on the West Coast and you're young, if you're like under the age of like 30, you should probably just stay out late and have some drinks. And then and it's 12 o'clock, right? It's not that late. And then come home, watch the marathon. Um, but if you're on the East Coast, DVR might be the best bet, and then you can wake up and, and not know the results. Because if you go to Let's Run, something's going to be super hot, and you're going to find the result almost certainly. It's really hard now to read the thread. Um, but anyways, the race of the decade. Josh Herman said it best. We'll see if the race lives up to the hype. Will this be – is this an, an overhyped fraud, or will this kind of be – live up to the hype, you know? And it'll be interesting what we all think, because like Mayweather McGregor, McGregor, the boxing purists think it's still the fraud, but the people who paid for it, you know, thought it was entertaining. And that's the main thing, is sport is supposed to be entertainment. So 
At the very least, let's hope it's entertaining. I hope that, like Weldon, the hype has been the world record. It's going to be disappointing if they won't get the world record. But to see the – I want to see a battle between these three guys. And I hope that even if the weather's bad and they're not getting the world record, that they race, you know, to the end and go all out. And, you know, what we've seen in Berlin in the past is sometimes twice there the second-place finisher has beaten the world record and lost. And one time it was as close as one second. So hopefully this can be a faster version of that 2003 race when Paul Turgot set the world record and won by a thrilling one second. If we have that, folks, the message board, the website, the podcast we'll do next week will be incredible. But thank you for joining us. This is your fearless host, Robert Johnson. For Weldon Johnson and Jonathan Galt, I'm signing off. Enjoy the race. Be safe. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you.